Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the Gospel of Mark. Today is episode 980, and we're looking at Mark chapter 12, verses 1 through 12. Let's read our passage. He began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a pit for a wine press, and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to tenant farmers and went away. At harvest time, he sent a servant to the farmers to collect some of the fruit of the vineyard from them. But they took him, beat him, and sent him away empty-handed. Again, he sent another servant to them. They hit him on the head, treated him shamefully. Then he sent another, and they killed that one. He also sent many others. Some they beat, others they killed. He still had one to send, a beloved son. Finally, he sent him to them, saying, They will respect my son. Those tenant farmers said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they seized him, killed him, and threw him out of the vineyard. What then will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and kill the farmers and give the vineyard to others. Haven't you read this scripture? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And this came about from the Lord and is wonderful in our eyes. They were looking for a way to arrest him but feared the crowd because they knew he had spoken this parable against them. So they left him and went away. This is the Gospel of Mark. Mark's giving us this gospel, this account of the ministry of Jesus. Begin with the Galilean ministry, Jesus traveling through Galilee, teaching and healing. He had a brief Gentile ministry. Then we saw the journey to Jerusalem. Now they're at Jerusalem. And this is the final week of Jesus' life. It began on Sunday, Palm Sunday, as Jesus had the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Then Monday, as they were traveling into Jerusalem, had cursing of the fig tree. Then in Jerusalem, the cleansing of the temple. Then Tuesday, they passed the fig tree, had some teaching about prayer. Then he got to the temple and was challenged by the religious leaders about his authority. Now we pick it up in chapter 12, verse 1. Now it's still Tuesday. He began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a pit for the wine press, and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to tenant farmers and went away. Well, this is a common thing in Israel this time. The idea of tenant farmers, where the owner of a piece of land builds a vineyard, the things he did, he put a fence around it. By fence, that would mean basically a hedge. And that was to keep animals and thieves out. Built a watchtower. That's where the workers could be in the watchtower to watch out for animals and thieves. Built a pit for a wine press. And so obviously it's a vineyard and you got to squeeze the grapes to get the juice out of the grapes. And then he leases it to tenant farmers. So these are not landowners, they're farmers. And the way they pay their lease is a portion of the crop. And generally they're required to pay anywhere from a quarter to a half of their crop to the landowner. And notice this landowner went away. It was a common thing. Absentee landowners, landlords, and tenant farmers was pretty common in that area at that time. Now, in the background is Isaiah 5, where 
Israel is referred to as the vineyard, and God is the owner of the vineyard. This is God's judgment on Israel for not producing fruit. So Jesus is telling this parable, and you got this Isaiah 5 imagery going on in the background. Well, in this particular parable, the vineyard's not the character, it's the tenant farmers are the characters. And the tenant farmers are the religious leaders. And of course, the owner is God. Verse 2, at harvest time, he sent a servant to the farmers to collect some of the fruit of the vineyard from them. Well, this would be the way the owner of the property gets his cut of the crop, as he would send a servant, and they would pay their portion of the crop. Verse 3, but they took him, beat him, and sent him away empty-handed. Again, he sent another servant to them. They hit him on the head, treated him shamefully. He sent another, and they killed that one. He also sent many others. Some they beat, others they killed. So we have this succession of servants going to get the fruit that's owed to the landowner, and they're abused. They're even killed. Now, in this parable, the servants are the prophets. The Old Testament prophets that God has sent to Israel throughout the centuries, and often they are grossly mistreated. Verse 6, he still had one to send, a beloved son. Finally, he sent him to them, saying, they will respect my son. But those tenant farmers said to one another, this is the heir. Come, let's kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So in the parable, the son, obviously, is Jesus. Now, the original people hearing this, they might not have recognized this, probably wouldn't have recognized this. But everyone reading Mark's gospel would certainly recognize this, that the son in this parable is Jesus. So, let's kill the son, the inheritance will be ours. Well, a piece of land could be acquired by its occupants if no living person claimed ownership of it. Well, here the landowner is still alive. The landowner still owns the land. Perhaps since the sun shows up, they think the landowner has died and the sun is here to collect his inheritance. Or maybe they're saying if we kill the sun, then eventually the owner is going to die. Or it may just be that's not important to the parable. This is a parable, not a lesson about how land ownership works. It's a lesson about what God is doing. Verse 8, so they seized him, killed him, and threw him out of the vineyard. So they kill the son. Now, the ultimate insult is to leave a corpse unburied. So this isn't just violent. This is disrespectful to the ultimate degree. Verse 9, what then will the owner of the vineyard do? Now, the way he reads in Mark sounds like Jesus answers the question himself. Uh, Matthew says that they replied, but the answer to what will the owner do? He will come and kill the farmers and give the vineyard to others. That's a reasonable response. He's tried and tried and tried to get what's due him, and they have abused his servants, killed some of his servants, even killed his son, and he's not going to stand for it any longer. He's going to come and wipe them out. And then he's going to give the vineyard to others' farm. Verse 10. Haven't you read this scripture? 
The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This came about from the Lord and is wonderful in our eyes. This is from Psalm 118, verses 22 and 23. The idea of the stone that the builders rejected. Now, the Jews understood that Israel is this stone rejected by other nations, but it will be restored by the Lord. As we see this in the New Testament, the idea of the stone the builders rejected obviously applies to Jesus, rejected by the Jews, specifically the Jewish leaders. Now, do the religious leaders hearing this understand this? Don't know yet, but they will eventually. Verse 12, they were looking for a way to arrest him, but feared the crowd because they knew he had spoken this parable against them. They left him and went away. So the evil people in this parable are the religious leaders. They're the ones that the owner of the vineyard, God, is going to come and destroy and replace. The vineyard will be given to others. This is the new Israel, followers of Jesus Christ. So this idea of replacement, you guys have done all you can do, and it's not enough. We saw the cursing of the fig tree, judgment on Israel, the cleansing of the temple, judgment on the temple. Here we're seeing it again, judgment on the religious leaders, that God is pronouncing judgment, that they have not measured up, they have not produced fruit, they have not been faithful, they have not been faithful, keep the temple a place of prayer. And so, it's being replaced. Replaced with what? The kingdom of God. How much of this do the religious leaders get? Enough to know he's pronouncing judgment on them and they don't like it. So they're looking for a way to arrest him, a way to get rid of him. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through the Gospel of Mark.